Tonight, we're learning disturbing new details from the night Louisville police shot and killed Breonna Taylor in her apartment. This information raises new questions about the officer's conduct that night. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. CBS News has confirmed that after being shot five times, Breonna Taylor was alive but struggling to breathe. In a revised lawsuit filed on behalf of Taylor's family, attorneys allege that Taylor was left to die. They say that she was not killed immediately, that she lived for another five to six minutes before succumbing to her injuries on the floor of her home. The March 13th raid remains under investigation by the FBI and the Kentucky State Attorney General. Police targeted the home erroneously, believing that it was being used by a drug dealer to receive packages. Taylor's death has been a rallying cry for protest across Louisville and the country. Demonstrators have called for criminal charges against the officers involved. Hello, my name is Benjamin Allen Hampton. I'm the owner of Hampton Propaganda, small business in Washington State. And I made this video for Breonna Taylor, for her memory, for her family. First, I just want to say to her family, to her supporters, I'm sorry. I failed you. We failed you. This country failed you. In this country, unfortunately, behind every black man that is murdered, that is brutalized by police corruption or police violence, are hundreds of black women that you will never hear their story. You won't read about them or hear about them on the news but it's important that we remember them. Frederick Allen Hampton was a civil rights activist. He was a humanitarian. He believed in working with all different kinds of groups, forming the Rainbow Coalition. He believed in Breakfast for Kids program, vaccinating kids for uh, polio and sickle cell anemia. Um, he was a great activist and humanitarian. Unfortunately, in December of 1969, Fred Hampton was murdered in his sleep, like Breonna Taylor, by FBI and the Chicago police. They raided Mr. Hampton's apartment. They murdered him and his bodyguard. He was drugged that night by an undercover FBI informant who gave them the layout of Mr. Hampton's apartment. He was shot at over 99 times with bullets all over his apartment in the direction of his bed. He was pulled out of his bed and then shot twice in Point Blake Range by Chicago police officers. Just like Breonna Taylor, Mr. Hampton was murdered in his sleep. And unfortunately, this is a story that resonates with us today. And unfortunately, this is a story that resonates with us today because this is an example across the span of five decades. And now here we are in the year 2020 with the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, with the murder of George Floyd, with the murder of Breonna Taylor, who was murdered in her sleep by a hail of gunfire directed at her and her boyfriend. First, we have to start with the good. There are many brave men and women who are putting on the uniform right now and that are serving our community as police officers. These men and women are brave, they are proud, they are courageous, and they deserve our respect. And many are working every day in this country to defuse and de-escalate violence in order to maintain the peace in this country. And for that, I commend you. However, the many good cops there are in this country, their job is even more difficult because of the bad. Here in Buffalo, this 75-year-old man is pushed over by police where he falls backwards and cracks his head open. The officers acted like this man was a menace and a nuisance, and many were so peeved at the suspension of these officers 
they decided that they would quit in protest. And to me, that should be your litmus test. That should be your Rorschach if you are a police officer in this country. If you feel the need, if you live for the day to be able to put on your uniform to push 75-year-old men to pepper spray nine-year-old girls, to push girls that are half or a third of your size to the ground and call them a fucking bitch, then you don't deserve the privilege to be called brave or courageous. You don't deserve the honor of putting on that uniform. You don't deserve to be a cop and you don't deserve to be called the courageous or the proud or the brave. That behavior is not heroic. That's not proud and that's not honorable. That's cowardly. Especially in a democratic society where people are allowed and entitled the right to peacefully demonstrate. Just because you disagree with their political objectives or opinions doesn't give you the right to assert violence against them. But you have to understand from the other perspective that maybe we don't want to be brutalized, terrorized, shot at with rubber bullets, with pepper spray, with flashbangs. Maybe we don't want to be clubbed, beaten, harassed, and in many cases murdered in the street while they get found not guilty, exonerated, and get to keep their pensions. That doesn't seem like a good deal for us, that many of these men never go to jail, they can't be sued, and in many cases, the worst that happens to them is they lose their job. That is unacceptable, that's completely unacceptable, and we have to do better. And you have to understand that if you are a good cop in this country, and again, God bless you if you are, we need you desperately, and then you add another layer on top of that, these people that want to call 911. And these are the people that drive me crazy because on one hand, we're told we need to have respect for the police, we need to um, honor the police, we need to recognize that this is a very stressful, this is a very difficult job. Okay, well then treat them that way. How about you stop calling 911 on little girls that are selling lemonade? How about you stop calling 911 on people that are barbecuing in a park or ask you to put a leash on your dog. The police don't need to waste their time, their resources, or allocate their manpower to help you, Karen, because you can't defuse a situation that can be handled by a fifth grader. But you have to understand the anger, the frustration, the rage that we feel day to day that this could be our last because we could be murdered by the police. That's the kind of reality I have to think about every time I get in my car. Every time I get out of my car and being in situations in the public, I have to constantly think about what it will be like if I have to interact with police, especially because of many of their inability to properly defuse, to de-escalate a situation, to properly analyze a situation and realize it doesn't call for violence and it most certainly does not call for murder. In many of these situations, these people that they are stopping or pulling out of public or pulling over were not reason for violence and they were not reason for murder. These people didn't have to die. They didn't have to die. Elijah McLean was walking home from a convenience store when he was approached by police. He had not committed a crime. Police held him in a chokehold for 15 minutes, then injected him with catamine. Now consider James Holmes 
who murdered 12 people and injured 70 others in a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, the same town as Elijah McClain, where he was arrested. James wore body armor, had a knife, semi-automatic weapons, and an AR-15. Yet he was calmly arrested by the same police department as Elijah McClain without a chokehold or an injection of ketamine. So disheartened, disappointed to see many friends that I grew up with or went to high school with sharing Candace Bixby sharing Clayton Owens. This horrible, horrible person who has consistently throughout her career advocated this position that white extremism is not a threat. That white terrorism is that these statistics are overblown, that they're manipulated, that they're exaggerated by progressives and liberals to create more division in this country, to create more tension, and to exaggerate this problem that's not a real thing. Throughout her career, she has consistently undermined many voices that have said this is a threat, that these groups are organized, that they are galvanized, and they are seeking to cause violence and terror against American citizens. These are acts of terror, domestic terrorism church bombings, lynchings, mass shootings, public shootings, dragging this man over three miles from a truck while his body was decapitated, specifically targeting people of color, people that are gay, people that are LGBTQ, people that are Jewish American citizens. These are acts of terror. Charlottesville is a perfect example. Here you have, quote unquote, good people called by this president that struck an innocent girl and ended her life. You have good people called by this president that were chanting, Jews will not replace us. How can you pretend to be a friend of Israel, to be an advocate of the Jewish people, when in your own country, you cannot even condemn those people that are screaming, Jews will not replace us. How by any stretch of the imagination can you consider yourself a friend of the Jewish state or an advocate of American Jewish citizens if you can't even condemn that disgusting act of vile hate and bigotry in this country? This is what these guys are going to do. They're going to be violent. They're hate groups. They are terrorist groups. That's what they're there for. And I understand many many white people, many other people, why you are reluctant to accept that this is a major threat, white terrorism. It's because people like Candace Bigsby get rolled out in these situations and they tell you that there's not a problem there, that this isn't a thing, that this is an exaggeration of liberal media and Democrats to try to incite a more radical problem than there is, when in reality, this is an absolute problem that has happened to black people since the beginning of this country. Since the inception of this country, beginning at day one, black people have been terrorized for political objectives. That is why in the year 2020, we cannot even convince our Senate to pass an anti-lynching bill. When you have a museum in Montgomery, Alabama, dedicated to the memory of thousands of African-Americans that were lynched, that were murdered, and that were terrorized by white extremism, you can't pass an anti-lynching bill. You can't, after five black people were been found hanged in the last five weeks, 
and you can't pass an anti-lynching bill in this country. You can't call the KKK a terrorist organization in this country in the year 2020. That's what she does. She comes out and she says, this is an exaggerated threat. This isn't a major problem in American society. These people are overblowing or oversimplifying these statistics just to show a worse problem than there is. And that is totally wrong. And look, I understand that coming from David Dew. I understand that coming from Richard Spencer, from Ben Shapiro, from Steve Bannon, from Steve Miller. But somebody with a darker skin complexion, the only thing that makes sense is she's a charlatan. She has been making money her entire career off of the bodies of dead black people. She probably even looks forward to these tragedies because this is her opportunity to have a voice. You couldn't wait to desecrate the memory of this dead black man who can't defend himself, by the way, watching her with glee, with joy, because she got to say, George Floyd isn't a martyr, but I hope his family gets justice. And I remember thinking, no, you don't. You don't hope his family gets justice. You don't hope any black family in this country gets justice. And I remember thinking, if we had justice in this country, it would have been you on the ground instead of George Floyd. It would have been you in the car instead of Sandra Bland. It had been you in the bed instead of Breonna Taylor. But you know why? Do you know why it wasn't? Because they sparked a movement. And do you know why? Because it wasn't you. That's what I realized. She's jealous, she's envious, she hates being black. She desperately wants to be accepted by white terrorism, by white extremism. And what I would like to propose is that we start a GoFundMe page for her so that we can pay for her operation to get her skin pigmentation changed. We recognize that she wants to be white. We recognize she wants to be accepted by white terrorists, by the KKK, by the Proud Boys, the Boogaloo, the Ram, the Base. We understand. But guess what? They're not going to take you. They don't want you. You're disgusting to them. They appreciate the work you're doing on their behalf, lulling America back to sleep, telling them there's no such thing as white terrorism, but they don't want you. And just like them, we black people, we don't want you either. You don't advocate for us. You don't speak on our behalf. You don't speak against domestic acts of terrorism. You are advocating for white terrorism. You are helping white extremism. You rationalize the threat and you minimize it. And for that, you deserve the worst. And I am ashamed and I am embarrassed that we have a president who is trying to incite violence, who is actively calling on people to use violence against other American citizens. And he's calling Black Lives Matter a terrorist group when he's never called these actual groups that are committing acts of terror, the Ram, the Base, the Boogaloo, the Proud Boys, the KKK, and instead is calling Black Lives Matter a terrorist group. How could you allow and treat these terrorist groups like they have the right to peacefully assemble? They get treated excellent. They get police protection. They get escorted. They get shielded from counter-protesters or those that show up to protest fascism or violent racism. But if it's Black Lives Matter, they get tear gassed, pepper sprayed, shot with rubber bullets, arrested, marginalized, spied on, and infiltrated. 
It's a horrible lose-lose situation. In this most essential time, in this most pivotal hour, I need you to be on the right side of history. If you are God-fearing, love your country, a good American citizen, prove it. Now is the time. You need to show you love this country. Patriotism is not following one person blindly, good or bad, whatever they do. That's idiocracy, especially if it is against your and mine interests. Somebody that's actively telling you to commit acts of violence against other American citizens. Understand, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about black people. And he doesn't care about this country. All he cares about is himself. He doesn't care about your family, your future, your income. All he cares about is staying in office because he realizes if he loses the presidency, he is going to jail. Just like all of his friends, just like all his campaign advisors, Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, Papadopoulos, his own lawyer Cohen, Jizday Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein, Roger Stone. How does an American citizen ask yourself how you benefit from this president pardoning Roger Stone? You have to understand that at this point, Christians. It is not about who you like in a popularity contest. It is about doing what is morally and ethically the right thing to do. How can you say that you love God and that you love your country and you are actively doing everything you can to support it when you are supporting somebody that is trying to inflame it? If you're a Christian, how can you support someone who was friends with a child molester, someone who ran a multinational sex trafficking operation? Ghislaine Maxwell is in prison, and so a lot of people want to know if she's going to turn in powerful people. And I know you've talked in the past about Prince Andrew, and uh, you've criticized Bill Clinton's behavior. I'm wondering, uh, do you feel that she's going to turn in powerful men? How do you see that working out? I don't know. I haven't really been following it too much. I just wish her well, frankly. Uh, I've met her numerous times over the years, especially since I lived in Palm Beach, and I guess they lived in Palm Beach. Uh, but I wish her well. Right now, a literal line is being drawn in the sand over the bodies of dead black people. That's it, you're either on the side that is doing the murdering, that are violent racists, those that believe it's okay to traffic children, or you're opposed to it. It's that simple, there's no more middle ground anymore. You can't wait in the middle and hope that the best works out. Because when you awaken from your slumber, you might not have a country to go back to. And if you are white, if you are Christian, if you are Mexican-American, Chinese-American, Japanese-American, Irish-American, Italian-American, if you are gay, if you are straight, if you are LGBTQ, if you're a woman of color, Native Americans, if you have felt like you have been terrorized, if you feel like you've been marginalized at any point in your life, this is our moment to stand together, to support each other. We have a proud heritage. We have a proud history. We have overcome persecution. We have overcome civil war. We are proud. We are strong. We are united. We are Breonna Taylor. And we will overcome.